재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Well, it is time for News Digest. We're going to wrap up some of the major issues of the past week. And we're very pleased to have joining us in the studio to give us her analysis on the situation from Asan Institute for Policy Studies Research Fellow, Dr. Kim Ji-yoon. Dr. Kim, great to see you again and Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Hamni. Well, you came right on time because we have a lot to talk about. And among all the stories, I guess if we didn't start with this particular story um, and we started with something like... I don't know, like uh, Anchasu's uh, candidate <laughs> list of people. Some of them are corrupt. <laughs> that just came out in the news. People will think we're weird. We're all obviously yeah. going to start with the North <laughs> Korean nuclear test. Uh, it's made headlines all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, a bit of a surprise because they claim it is a hydrogen device. Mm-hmm. Uh, some skepticism about that. But what we want to focus on, Dr. Kim, is a bit of the uh, political fallout. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, we think North Korea tries to meddle in these upcoming elections. Uh, there's a big general election coming up in April. What do you think the effect of this? Some people say this could be actually uh, something that boomerangs back in favor of the conservatives. With this Hennerty party, mm-hmm. uh, because they're known for more hardline stances regarding North Korea, benefit from this? Well, if you're asking me about the, any effect by this uh, the test on the general election, my answer is a flat no. Because... Um, well, usually we believe that North Wind favors the Conservative Party, in this case the Senate Party, but uh, it has changed a lot. And North Korea, of course, people care about it, but it's not the salient issue for Korean public. And general election is particularly about the local issues, not the national security. So impact, I think, will be marginal, and we still have four months away. So I don't really think it's going to have yeah. a huge impact on the general election. As, was, as we see with these major events, whether it's the Seoul Ferry disaster or mm-hmm. Outbreak. It, four months is a long time for the Korean public to really keep into their uh, brains mm-hmm. and feel emotional and yeah. angry about. It. And by April, it's going to be some, to, something totally different, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, anything can happen between them. Yeah, exactly. Now, one thing that always does occur somewhat is there's a backlash against maybe the current government. Uh, we saw that with Hell, mm-hmm. we saw that with MERS, we saw that with various other things. Do you think the Pakane administration will take a bit of a hit uh, because of these uh, developments and because of the fact that there are tensions between the two Koreas? Well, I mean, there's two different opinions from each side. You know, conservative side, oh, yeah, the hard-line policy of government is, um, you know, you have to be harder line. Uh, but from the uh, opposition side, they say, well, because of the hard-line policy, the North Koreans are doing the reckless things. Um, I mean, I do not really 100% agree with the Park Administration North Korean policy, but I would not put the entire blame onto the government. Uh, but I have to point out that administration's North Korean policy was a little bit contradictory. I mean, they've been talking about the trust building process. And also, she talked a lot about the unification and bonanza theory. These two, do you really believe these two can coexist? Right. I mean, trust the building process with North Korea, which exactly means that you are guaranteeing the North Korean regime and the unification and bonanza. That means that you're kind of observing North Korean regime. So these are two contradictory terms. And I kind of surprised that they are openly talked to these two different yeah. things. Um, and also, you, if you're playing a game, I mean, you sh- should be able to have some the idea and the expectation about the, what your kind of party is going to do. I mean, you don't have to you know, very correctly or accurately predict what that partner is going to do, but you should be able to have some, some probability at mm. least. And that means that the kind of party is rational. 
But, you know, can you really expect any rationality or rational behavior from North Korea? I mean, I think one thing that you can certain about North Korea is they are going to develop nuclear weapons and they are not going to give up on that. And they are actually moving on to the project on their own pace. That's one fact we can uh, ascertain that other than that, I mean, you should be able to be prepared for whatever happens. Right. Regardless of how strong your intelligence agencies are, what you're saying is basic game theory is if you Mm kind of know the behaviors and the erratic behaviors of this, uh, this should be kind of kept in the realm of possibility in terms of contingencies. Uh, There's been reactions. Um, the big news today, as far as South Korea is concerned, is the military has decided to resume those propaganda broadcasts. We know North Korea hates those broadcasts, but now it's a tit-for-tat. North Korea says, well, we're going to yeah. blast our, our broadcast as well. So it's a bit noisy in the DMZ right now. Mm-hmm. Is this a justified punishment? Uh, is it a show or is it needless antagonization? Well, um, so stopping the broadcast has, it was a result of a um, 25 agreement. But um, I don't know. I mean, personally, I think it was a little bit hasty decision. Uh, we all remember um, how the situation got um, worse and serious in last August. Uh, but I think the government must have wanted um, to show what the South Korea can do uh, as a retaliation before the international gov- uh, community move and work together. Uh, I mean, you have to show that you have some, you know, get a hold of the ownership on the issue. So that's kind of act for that. Yeah, it, it does feel like, okay, you put the broadcast side, is that really going to yeah. uh, accomplish a lot? We know North Korea have said, now we have uh, them blaring speakers as mm-hmm. well. Certainly the tensions are high on the peninsula, but maybe this is offensive to uh, many South Koreans listening, but it could be possible that South Korea was really not the focus at all of North Korea's decision to make this <laughs> test. I've read some analysis. Some people feel this might be directed at China, their mm-hmm. worsening ties, all going back to even that Morambong uh, concert yeah. cancellation, and Beijing, their reaction. How do you think they would react? Do you believe they are uh, kind of now at the final straw in terms of the patience and uh, they they will no longer tolerate these uh, provocations actions by North Korea? Well, we also the initial reaction from China. I mean, of course, they are really upset. And the Chinese foreign minister, Wang Yi, publicly criticized the North Korea as a test. Uh, but I'm not really sure if there's anything much China can do. Uh, what China is most afraid of uh, is destabilization of the region, uh, which means North Korea's nuclear development may bring more force and, um, and also the troops and the weapons from the United States, which China really would like to avoid at all costs. And if China pulled back the support from North Korea, which is going the other way, and then it may destabilize the North Korean regime and send more refugees to Chinese border, and that also China would like to avoid. And what if that there's a strengthening of the ROK-US alliance and in addition to Japan, then that's not the result that China would like to see yeah. anyway. So, I don't know. I mean, they, there are, I saw some reports already that China is doing business as usual. So, I mean, there's no doubt that China is sick and tired of North Korean yeah. behavior, but I don't really think it, it necessarily means that there's a much change in China's policy toward North Korea. Right. I mean, they, they're, they're angry. Uh, North Korea, apparently, this is the first time they've not uh, notified China ahead of time before mm-hmm. a nuclear right. test, uh, but to expect that China's going to go full on board on the UN Security Council, uh, enact harsher mm-hmm. sanctions regime, bringing about the potential collapse, this is probably the last thing that China wants. So, yeah. as you say, status quo seems the most uh, predictable outcome. Finally, 
Finally, on this story, uh, what are some of the key political diplomatic challenges that lie ahead if we want to dial down tensions here? Well, for the Korean government, South Korean government, uh, I don't know. I mean, there's much, there's anything much that we can do. I mean, <laughs> uh, it was really frustrating for the government because I sort of report that um, President Obama, right after the test, he talked to Prime Minister Abe, not uh, President Park. Hmm. And also our uh, foreign minister, Yun byung he tried to uh, reach and talk to Wang Yi, the Chinese foreign minister, but he had to wait because of the scheduling of the Chinese foreign minister. So the hotline between Korea and China is not really working that well. Um, but one thing to be noted, as many experts indicated, is North Korea, they said, is not going to use a preemptively. And also, they are not going to transfer the technology to other countries or any groups. So that kind of sending message that they would like to talk, uh, particularly with the United States. So, well, there are some, some of the rooms maybe to negotiate with North Korea. And that is kind of the reason that right. I thought about um, resuming the propaganda broadcast. So maybe it was a hasty decision for the government. But anyway, there's so much of the rooms yeah. to talk and dis- uh, discuss and uh, negotiate. Um, well, as a group, unfortunately. And, and I think that's the point. Again, maybe offensive to some South Koreans, but f- quite frankly, we might not be the most important player I know. in this saga right now. Yeah. Even though we are sharing the border, we would be the first target p- or the easiest target, perhaps, of a weapon like this. But mm-hmm. bottom line, these other major players really have to kind of decide their agendas first, and, and mm-hmm. South Korea will have to sort of, I guess, adjust according to that reality. That's a depressing. <laughs> yeah, it, but uh, again, it does yeah. look like the reality. Uh, let's turn to our second topic, uh, the news coming out today that the National Assembly did confirm Lee Jun-sik as the new education minister. There, were, uh, mm-hmm. Besides the regular kind of real estate speculation, all the other kind of suspicions, but there was an idea of whether he was actually qualified as an engineering professor to um, lead an education ministry. Uh, there were questions about him uh, asking what ministry is the uh, nursery uh, school system in? It was in the social welfare ministry, mm-hmm. but he couldn't answer these kind of basic questions right. about where the kindergarten and then all of this. reason why I'm talking about this is because the education ministry and the various municipal school boards mm-hmm. are in a big dispute right now over how to fund these nursery or preschool programs, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, Nuri curriculum as, as it's called. First, I guess some background. Why is the government and the local education authorities still fighting over this and can't yeah. come to an agreement over the Nudi Yesan uh, and basically refusing <laughs> to pay for this. Right. Well, I mean, let me explain the Nudi Yesan first. Um, this is basically the free childcare program uh, for those who are in their uh, uh, three to five, so basically a preschool. Um, and uh, the government is giving the financial support about 220,000 won per kid, and it costs like 4 trillion won nationwide to cover and it was initiated um, in 2011 and first launched in 2012 by the previous government. And the President Park actually made an uh, election promise that she is going to expand the system uh, so that it can cover those kids um, from three to five. Because in the previous government, only those who are five-year-old kids were covered. Right. Uh, so the the problem arises basically from the miscalculation of the budget outlay by the central government. And now the, about 20% of internal tax revenue is uh, going to the Kyubukum, uh, and that is supposed to uh, cover the, those newly yesan. But, you know, because there's more kids to cover and increase the number, and as a result, the central government is demanding like regional um, education offices to, you know, make up those the, the funds. 
And of course, the regional education officers, they are upset and they are refusing to do so because, I mean, it was not supposed to, for them to cover the money. Because, and that's a central government responsibility. On, and also, it's central government, the election, uh, the election promise. And, and they are actually also in the short of money as well. So it's basically passing buck to each other. Mm-hmm. So that's the, where the older quarrels are coming from. Central government, uh, with a lot of these other issues uh, dealing with disputes with the local government, they've tend to take in a very hardline stance, mm-hmm. kind of no backing down, double right. down on their positions. Uh, they're doing so here as well. Uh, do you feel it's uh, counterproductive uh, for the government to do this at this point right now? Yeah, I mean, Minister Chen and the, said the government is going to take every action possible, like a legal action, administrative, financial action, in addition to the strengthening, the auditing of the, um, the educational offices. And also they are thinking about even filing a case to Supreme Court. Uh, and of course, the, the regional um, education offices at the National Council of Governors of Education, they said they would go and take a legal actions as well. And so this is really getting messy. Uh, but I like to see this issue from a different perspective because, you know, usually in Korea, central governments wield a lot of power. And this may be, as we saw in the last year's confrontation between central government and the city government of Seoul, um, maybe the one of the landmark cases that some power balance between uh, central government and the local government is uh, set again. So I don't know. I personally would like to see them... Um, the, the legal, local government should mm. have more the authority and autonomous power, um, um, you know, from the right. central government. I remember you saying this nuclear test, a lot of people feel, oh, it's going to be a big impact. But arguably, maybe this nudi yes on if this dispute still lingers, because it's the pocketbook of mm-hmm. a lot of parents like myself who have to pay more every month if right. they don't have this uh, funded and the fact that the current government mm-hmm. may take a political hit because everyone remembers this was, as you say, a campaign promise. Right. And now it does look the optics are they're backing out of the uh-huh. place no matter what excuses they give. Who do you think is going to blink first? Uh, the only people who are losers right now are the parents who are struggling exactly. to afford this. Well, who is going to blink first? I don't know. <laughs> uh, but, um, well, after all, I think is uh, the both sides are going to find a middle ground um, uh, because you know it's, as you said it's the parents who are losing uh, the, this game and it's not really politically um, correct and politically right for both sides uh, to just you know stick by their yeah. uh, own arguments and keep fighting so they'll probably find a middle ground as this whole government and the central government did the last year Right. Well, speaking of middle ground, we're going to turn to our final story. Mm-hmm. Uh, there has been no middle ground so far as to passing these bills that the president wants, these labor reform bills. Uh, the opposition has been adamant in terms mm-hmm. of their opposition to one of the uh, key, what they call poison provisions in it. Uh, but let's talk about the Ministry of Employment and Labor. They did draft new guidelines that would allow companies mm-hmm. to lay off underperforming employees uh, more easily. Uh, this is part of the wider push to add that uh, wider labor market flexibility, but some eyebrows are being raised as mm-hmm. to some of the rules. Overall, what is your take on the new guidelines, which would allow companies to just say, um, like Asan Institute says, Dr. Kim, you're not, you're, you're taken too early. You're going to have to be fired. 
Uh, well, I mean, the, the, there's this, they say that there should be the criteria and we should be agreed by both sides, the management and the labor side. And, uh, but, you know, it really looks like giving a lot of power to the company side because, you know, basically is giving more of firing power to them. And besides that, it also gives more profits to companies because, you know, it's, um, in the case of layoff, Unlike the voluntary or honorary retirement, you don't have to give the full severance package to those who are leaving the company. Yeah. So it gives actually, you know, a lot of money to the, saves a lot of money for the companies. And another thing we have to consider is I'm not really sure if there's any legal issue uh, remaining there because according to the Labor Standard Act, the companies can do the layoff uh, on the two cases, like if the company is having a really serious financial difficulties and also to show the disciplinary um, action, like a tinge hego against the workers. So, well, this is the, the government administrative guidelines. So I don't know if that can go over and go along with those, those acts. So if government wanted to put in an act, they have to amend the act, not mm. really giving the guideline by the government. Yeah, it's kind of sideways. Yeah, it's sort of like a uh, recommendation type of situation. Then, do you believe the guidelines provide a clear objective and uh, even fair standard to evaluate workers? This is always quite blurry and gray area. I mean, you have to on what criteria you can evaluate the workers. I mean, maybe you can do some quantify quantification, but it's always you know there's some 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 the questionable areas. Like, how can you objectively set the criteria? And and also, um, if, how can you establish a measure for one's performance in, this, in the, getting the scorebook? And even though it is a quantified result, how can you say this objective? I mean, I teach at the universities, and then some classes are the relative score, um, the grading and the absolute grading. I, I hate the relative grading because it's, I mean, it's only you lost a certain number or percentage of students who get a particular grade, yeah. and there's a really slim marginal difference between the A minus student and B plus students. Right, but it's a big psychological difference to the person who gets exactly. the grade. Exactly. And then what if the government, uh, the, the company says, okay, the, you are the least performing worker, so you got to go. What are you going to say? Yeah, that's not a fair uh, situation indeed. Uh, again, though, these guidelines, the fear is abuse. Uh, and this is hypothetical. We know Asan mm -hmm. Institute is a wonderful employer. But <laughs> if they decide, if the boss decided, hey, I don't like how uh, Dr. Kim uh, is not uh, mm -hmm. behaving well, she doesn't drink enough at the Heshik or something, and she, uh, they fire you and they say you're underperforming, could that be a potential case of abuse? Well, I do drink enough. <laughs> 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 um, well, I, I don't want to stand against the companies all the time. but And, and I believe there's a lot of companies, owners, uh, who are running their own companies is a fair way and really hardworking. But you have to look at the institutional um, spectrum because in general, companies are supposed to have upper hand. Uh, I'm not the putting the blames on the companies regarding conflicts between the labor and, and the management, but you know, I like to stress that it's not really equal relations. Particularly in Korea, it has never been equal, and I don't really think it's going to be equal for a time being. Right, and that's the concept of at-will employment that a lot of other com countries have. Uh, what more do you think the government can do to ensure uh, uh, flexibility, but at the same time also solve the youth unemployment problem? What you have to remember is guaranteeing the greater labor market flexibility is not really giving carte blanche to companies, to firing and hiring workers. And it can be a really dangerous measure. And what should be done ahead is ensuring the greater um, labor market, uh, um, 
is the safety net for those who lost their job but still have enough time and uh, chance to get a new one and move on to the next one without worrying too much right. about their sheer survival of daily life. All right. Well, as always, we learned a lot from your analysis. Uh, the most interesting I, thing I learned is that Dr. Kim can never be fired from a job for not drinking too much. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, always a pleasure to have you. I uh, hope you enjoy your new year and hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you.